so full, and uh, if the people watching online, a very big welcome to you as well. And as we meet together, we pray for God's blessing to be upon us, and uh, may we be able to give our whole heart in worship of him this morning. Um, before we start, just one notice to draw um, your attention to. If you're a church member, there is a quarterly church meeting on Tuesday evening. Now, what a blessing it is to be able to come in on on Sunday, a day set apart by God in his wisdom and his mercy, set aside a day for us, uh, a day of rest. And whether that's a rest from work or from school or the daily grind and pain of life, what a mercy it is and uh, that God gives us this every seventh day. And uh, I pray today that we'll be able to uh, join together and praise him for that and for all the blessings that he pours down upon us. So before we uh, start with the song, um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together again, and as we uh, come, Lord, to worship you, I pray that that's exactly what we'll be able to do, and I pray, Lord, that we will know uh, to whom we are coming this morning, and that we might bow ourselves down um, before you, the high and holy, almighty Lord God, and we thank you that, Lord, even though we're we're only small, insignificant creatures on this earth, yet, Lord, we matter to you. And as we come uh, around your word this morning, as we sing, as we read, as we pray, as we hear your word explained, Lord, we pray that your blessing will be upon us. We pray that your spirit will come and teach us and soften our hearts and uh, may there be a greater attraction towards you. So Lord, bless us. Make one in our presence now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's worship our Lord now by singing uh, our first song which is praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet your tribute bring, ransom, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like you his praise should sing? Praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. Let's stand and worship.
Follow it in a minute on screen, or if you're looking it up in the Bibles, it's on page 1006, 1007. So we're going to do a short series on Hebrews 11. Um, I'll say a little bit more about it later. Uh, the Gospel of Luke has not been totally forgotten. These longer series, I think it keeps us fresh if we have a break, and I thought it would be good to do the rest of the Gospel of Luke, the last three chapters, uh, in approaching Easter, so from Christmas to Easter. So that's the plan. So uh, we're in the letter to Hebrews. Uh, Those who were on the women's retreat yesterday will already have a big head start on what we're doing this morning and there are now a lot more of the background. But in chapter 11 you get a, a long list of snapshots of people, people of faith, a long list of different people in the Old Testament. And as I was thinking about doing that this week, I walked through the Sunday school and I saw a nice poster, a summary list, because one of the Sunday school classes is doing about Hebrews 11. So I thought it'd be rather nice if you could see that poster. So some of you have got a poster to bring up, if you you would bring it up and come up if you're coming with the... So this will help us all. Okay, hold it up nice and and high. So we've got a long list of characters there. I hope you can see who are in which chapter of the Bible are they in? Hebrews. Hebrews chapter? 11. Chapter 11. And uh, what is it that they all had in common, these people? Anyone say what they had in common? They all um, trusted and believed in God. Ah, Excellent. They had faith. Okay. Now which one uh, were you doing today? Moses. Can you tell me anything about Moses? Who can tell me something about Moses? Moses went back to Egypt to rescue the Israelites from Pharaohs from slavery. Ah, thank you. Yes, have you got a bit more to add? Moses left the palace to live like God's people. Ah, thank you. And he did that because of his faith. And any others that you've done that you can tell me about? Um, Abraham um, trusted God and trusted his promise to have many descendants. Thank you. Abraham and... And Noah trusted in God when he said that he would flood the world and build the ark. Oh, thank you. Okay, we might find out more about that. So here's the long list, and in this, there's two people that there's more about. So um, one of them is Abraham, who we've mentioned, and one of them is Moses, who's mentioned. So we'll probably have a whole Sunday morning message on those. And then there's a few before Abraham, this morning, there's a few in between Abraham and Moses, so that'd be another another of our mornings, and then there's some more after Moses. So that's our series, probably of five on Sunday mornings in coming weeks. So thank you for showing us that. You can head back down, take it with you, and uh, glad for the series you're doing. What a good series you're doing! So we're going to come to our reading now, which is, well, we're looking this morning at the first seven verses of chapter 11. We're going to look at the the, the first three uh, people, but we're going to start the reading actually in, in chapter 10 at verse 25, no, at verse 32, at verse 32, and we're going to... Uh, get some background. Now, those of you on the retreat yesterday, you would have heard this and you've had it a bit explained, uh, but it sets the scene nicely to lead into our first message this morning. 
So verse 32, he writes to these Christians and says, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructing an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now after our next song, uh, Tony's got a children's talk and he'd be really pleased if all of you kids could come down and sit down at the front And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that after the next hymn. So the next uh, song we're going to sing is How Firm a Foundation. So we're picking up the theme of of, of, uh, by faith, as John's just explained. And uh, and we're going to sing How Firm a Foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to all who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Let's stand and sing.
hell. It's good to see you all. Do you want to sit down there? Yeah. It's really good to see you all, and it's really good to see that you came and accepted the invitation to come up the front. And because you've accepted the invitation, I've got something for you. So, oh, there you go. Now, this isn't just me being generous. Oh, oh, someone else has come. Oh, welcome. Now, do you know what? You're a really good illustration, Annie. Do have a seat. Well, perhaps you want to save the sweet until a little bit later. Maybe you don't, but it will be a good idea. (laughs) Now, I want to talk to you about something which I think lots of you enjoy. But I want to check. Do you enjoy weddings? Mm, Maybe, maybe not. What's the best bit of the wedding? Now, you can be honest. The food! Yeah, yeah, everyone agrees. The food is the best. I know some of the older people, they like looking at the dresses and stuff, but the food is the best bit. Yeah? Now, I want you to imagine your family gets a wedding invite. And the wedding invite comes, and one of you says, well, the boy says, oh no! I've got football in the morning! I want to do my football. And mum says, oh, I was going to get my nails done that day. And dad says, oh, I was going to do golf. Oh, this wedding's come just at the wrong time. So they, they come up with a really clever plan. Imagine your family does this. I, I can't imagine any family would be as, well, cheeky as this. You think, right. We all know the best thing in the wedding is the food. So what we'll do is, we'll do what we want in the morning. You can do your football. Mum can get her nails done. Dad can do his golf. And then we'll just turn up to the reception. That'll be a good idea. Miss all the rest of it and get the food. Imagine you're in the car and you get there and you get to the Grand Hotel nice grand hotel. And one of you, you've got, you've got a text from one of your friends who's there. And it's like, it's amazing. They've got handmade chocolates there. There's a swimming pool. It's got fountains. It's got a slide and we can go in it. And they've said we can stay for as long as we like. And you think, whoa, good decision to come, wasn't it? Then you get to the door and you see it's a really posh place. They've got guys on the door to welcome you in. Except for these men say, oh, hello, who are you? You give your names. They say, you're not on our list. You can't come in. And your dad said, but I got an invitation. And they say, yes, but look, look up here. Or perhaps it doesn't come out very clearly. But it says RSVP, which means reply. It says reply by the 22nd of August. 
And you didn't bother to reply. Your place isn't in here any longer. Can you imagine how sad you'd be when you hear all these people having a lovely time, but you didn't come. You didn't accept the invitation. So you weren't allowed in. But you know what? The picture that Jesus and his friends had about heaven was like it was a big feast, better than any wedding reception. And Jesus told a story a bit like my story. I wonder, do any of you know the excuses that people came up with for not going to the wedding, to to the big feast? Anyone remember any? Well, here's a clue for one. What's that one? Close. Yes? That's close too. What's this a picture of? Yeah. Yeah, one one man said, I've bought a field. I can't come. Now, this next one is one that some of you have guessed already. A cow. A cow, yes. They use these cows. Can you see these cows here? They're joined together. And in Jesus' time, they used them like tractors to pull the plough through. And one man said, I've got some cows I've got to go and check that they pull the, 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 the plough all right. I can't come. That's almost as bad an excuse as doing your nails, isn't it? Well, the third excuse. Can anyone think of the third excuse? Anyone have a guess? Well, here he is. The man. Oh, can I go back to the previous one? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Oh, yes, we can. Yes. The man in this one. What did he say? They got married. They got married. That's right. And do you know what he said? He said, I've got a wife. And because I've got a wife, I can't come to your feast. Really rubbish excuses, aren't they? So remember that Jesus and his friends were talking about heaven. And all these people had made these rubbish excuses. And this is what Jesus said. Can anyone read that one for me? Go on, Annie. For I tell you, man of those men, who were invited to face my banquet. Fair enough, isn't it? But isn't it sad? None of those people who made their excuses and didn't want to come will be allowed in heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. It won't be allowed to have it. Now, the good news is, Jesus is still inviting people. The, the door isn't shut. The feast isn't happening yet. So you can still come. And I want to make that same invitation with my sweets for the primary school children. For those of you who didn't come... If you still want a sweet, you can come after the service. But some of you realised that it was a good idea to come, even though you were a bit late, and you came and you got it. And that's true of God's invitation too. Some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm not like these children. I'm too old. I'm too bad. You're not too late. The invitation for heaven, the invitation to come 
and follow Jesus is there for anyone who comes. Thank you, children. You can get back to your seats now. Thank you very much, Tony. <clears throat> well, let's pray together now. Our great and heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we pray that uh, we will humble ourselves before you, knowing that you are the almighty creator of this earth, Lord, indeed the creator of our lives as well. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you have kept the throne of grace open for us to come and pray to you, and that whatever time of the day or night it is, Lord, you're there waiting to listen to us, to the big things and the small things that concern us. And Lord, we've just been reminded of that wonderful truth, your great invitation to come and be reconciled with you again, to be part of your family. And Lord, what a beautiful and irresistible invitation that is when you have softened our hearts. But Lord, uh, we pray that we won't be uh, like those who are uh, who end up being too late or those who have uh, excuses for not following after Jesus Christ. But I pray, Lord, that each of us here this morning might know the real truth and the value of the Lord Jesus Christ, our need of a saviour, and how in Jesus is uh, everything that we need. And Lord, we, we ask for a responsive heart as we sit here in, in church this morning Lord, may, may our hearts be moved and, um, and keen to follow after Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that your love is so great that it extends out to people as bad as, uh, as, bad as us, as bad as me, Lord. That, Lord, you know all the things that we've done. You know the things in the past that um, we should never have done. You know the way that we have disobeyed you. But yet, Lord, despite that, your love reaches out. And while we can't quite comprehend how great a love that is, that unconditional love. We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you for it. We bless you for it. And we ask that it might stir up our hearts. And if we've not yet responded to the invitation, Lord, may today be the day. May uh, that there is no time like the present. Lord, your word says that today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. And I pray, Lord, for a true softening in our hearts to, that if we've never followed after you, that, Lord, today might be the day that we put our, uh, we, we, we stop trusting in ourselves and we trust solely in Jesus Christ. Lord, we are sorry for all the, the wrong things that we've done, the way that we've turned our back on you, the way that we have laughed at those who followed you. And yet, Lord, it's just so remarkable, so overwhelming to think that you, would, you still desire us, that you desire men everywhere to be saved. And so, Lord, whether we are young, whether we are old, whether we feel too bad, we pray that you will reach out this morning. That, Lord, we will see that the reply date is not yet is not yet due, and that, Lord, while there's life and, and while there's life and breath in our lungs, Lord, there is hope. So, please, Lord, come and uh, sh- uh, 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 soften us this morning. And, Lord, if we have followed after you. May we never tire of hearing that wonderful invitation. May we never um, become too familiar with you and the cross. May it always be special to us. Lord, may it always be something that we are truly thankful for. Lord, there's so often the, the answer that uh, uh, rolls off our tongue that we must put our trust in Jesus and to save us from our sins. Oh, but Lord, the truth of it and the, the depth of it. 
May we feel it in our hearts. May it make a difference to us even today. And Lord, as we as we come together, it's such a privilege on, on Sundays to come together and to hear your word, to feel encouraged by being with each other and as we praise you and worship you. But it can be a lonely old week. And uh, Lord, as we, as we scatter uh, into our um, respective lives during the week, we pray that we will continually feel refreshed and re-energised by your word, that Lord, we won't just be a Christian on Sundays, but Lord, we pray that you'll have such an impact upon our lives, that it will affect the way that we see and, and, um, and behave, and that Lord, in every aspect of our lives, you will influence it, and that we might spend our days serving you, and giving our all, uh, and no matter what the task, whether it's something very small, whether it's some, uh, uh, um, something very small or something very big, Lord, may we honour you and worship you in everything that we're doing. But we, we thank you so much, Lord, that in your wisdom you've given us this seventh day, a day, Lord, when we can uh, when we we can rest and we can worship. And I pray that we will find true rest in Jesus Christ today, that we might find peace for our souls, and that Lord, we might be refreshed spiritually and. Um, mentally and physically as well as we as we go back out into the uh, as we go back out into our, our weeks tomorrow may we be able to go with a joy in our heart and a spring in our step knowing that the lord loves us and that all things are working together uh, for our good and for your glory lord we return thanks for the the great day that the ladies had yesterday and uh, we pray that the things that they heard might have a lasting benefit and that um, as they take it into this week, that it might still be on their minds and in their hearts and it might help them and encourage them in all the things that they heard. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that for this morning for um, for Sunday school and Rooted that's already happened. Lord, what a, uh, what a privilege to be able to share the word of God with, with uh, children and young people. We pray, Lord, for your blessing to be upon that, that it might change and soften hearts that are even very, very young. Lord, you, you loved the children. You loved all people that you came into contact with. You cared for them. When, you, when the Lord Jesus was on this earth, how he took the children and, and spoke to them and, and uh, how, how he enjoyed spending time with them. And Lord, we know that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we commit the, the kids into your hand, Lord, and pray for your blessing upon them that, that they will see the, the worth and the value of being a Christian even while they're small. Lord, please keep them. We, we live in a very dark and an evil world where there are so many things to um, tempt us to one side and to turn our heads. But we pray that we will be given eyes that are fixed upon Jesus Christ. And even while the, um, the children and young people go to school and they have many things that can, um, can tempt them away, Lord, I pray that they might find them, themselves rooted and grounded in the faith that they might know the power of God's word, and may that be the basis of their life. So Lord, as we worship you today, we, we pray that we will do so with a, an honest and a, and a truthful heart. Lord, we, we thank you so much for the many blessings that come our way every day. So many things that we don't even take thought to ask for in our prayers. Yet Lord, you know everything that we need, and you give us over and above everything um, that we ask for. And Lord, we praise you for it. Give us a truly thankful heart. We pray that no blessing will go unnoticed. And we pray, Lord, for a, um, a, a, a repentant heart, that, Lord, that we might become awakened to our sin. We pray for a sensitive conscience, that we might realise the error of our ways if we are making wrong steps and decisions. Lord, intervene. Show us the way that you will have us to go. And may we willingly walk in the, in the way that you have planned for us each. Lord, it's so, so amazing to think 
that you have a plan for each one of us. And so often we can feel so lonely, so insignificant, and um, with troubles mounting up, and it feels like we'll never get over them. But Lord, you know, and it's such a great privilege to know that you care, and that there is nothing too hard for you. There is no, there is no mountain that you can't bring down. There is no desert that you can't put a stream in. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are and all that you do. But may our eyes never be taken off the Lord Jesus Christ. May we view everything in the light of of God and in the light of eternity. Lord, that all the things that are in this earth, they're not. Then we shouldn't be trying to find a home here. We shouldn't be trying to solve our own problems when we have a saviour so great who cares for us. And may our desire always be to be looking heavenward. And may our eyes be fixed there, Lord, because what a great joy we've got coming our way. But yet so often, Lord, we get our eyes bogged down with the things of this life and and we get um, really, really weighed down. But we thank you that this isn't our home, that we're just travelling through. Help us to remember that daily, Lord. We're all so prone to um, trying to make everything right here when we've got a perfect home we're waiting for us. Lord, what a great day that will be. Please make sure, Lord, that all of us are there. May we have, our, may we have a seat in heaven with each of our names on it. May that be the desire of our heart, O oh Lord. We thank you then for this time of worship. We pray, Lord, for your blessing to be upon us, and we pray for your spirit to be teaching us and uh, showing us the way that you'll have us to go. Come, Lord, and be glorified, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now before uh, John comes to preach, we're going to sing again and on this theme of, of faith and, and how amazing it is that we've got, uh, we see these characters of faith but they're nothing to compare with the faithfulness of God and how reliable and dependable he is. And we're going to sing of that now and I just want to read the chorus. He will hold me fast, he will hold me fast, for my saviour loves me so, he will hold me fast. Let us stand and worship.
So we turn then to Hebrews 11, page 1006-1007, being introduced uh, to us. Grateful for what was said at the front. Uh, it was my fault. I don't think I turned the microphone off. Probably caused panic upstairs. Sorry about that. But I had some good answers from um, the, the children. I hope you heard what they said. I'm sorry if you didn't. That was my fault. So we come then to this uh, chapter. And Hebrews 11 is a chapter about faith. It's a chapter about faith. If you cast your eye down it, if you've got it in front of you, and uh, sort of train your eyes to uh, home in on the words faith, you'll see it there quite, quite a lot of times. 24 times, I think. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? In a sense, we we all have faith of some sort. It's also a chapter about God, in whom that faith is directed. Uh, Do you have faith in God, God of the Bible? Do you believe in him? Maybe you would like a more consistent faith. Uh, my mind went back to when I was a sixth former and uh, here at Beacon and uh, strange the conversations you end up with sometimes. I was talking to one of the teachers in the sixth form. Um, I think we were on a trip somewhere, I think. But uh, she said to me, she said, but you have faith. She said, and I know that the times that I've had faith are better than the times when I didn't have faith. Strange, isn't it, what you remember? She had a patchy, in-out faith. She knew which was best. She would like it to be different. She would have liked more. Perhaps you can identify with that sort of uh, an approach to faith. Uh, Maybe your faith has been struggling. I read a booklet about the pandemic uh, recently, this last week, I think, And it went through some of the difficulties that churches are experiencing after lockdown in coming back. Loss of connection, loss of workers, loss of shape, loss of unity, and lastly, loss of faith. Loss of faith. Perhaps your faith has taken a knock through the pandemic, through the difficulties, through the suffering, or maybe other things since then have made your faith struggle. Well, Hebrews was written to Christians whose faith was, if you like, threatened. They had hit uh, hard times. Uh, People were looking down on them as Christians and treating them badly, and it wasn't easy. And they seemed to cope well at first. If you read in verse 
32 of chapter 10, but recall the former days after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had a compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So they did well at the start, but they were not finding it so easy now. They were tempted to retreat, or at least to sort of go private in their faith. So we read in 35 and 36 of chapter 10, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. They needed to keep going on in their faith. That faith that they had at first needed to carry on, it needed to be enduring faith. They were in danger of shrinking back, verse 38. Shrinks back, verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back. Uh, Literally, a part of it points to letting the sail down on, on a boat. You know, you've been going, you've had the wind behind you, but then you don't want to go with such pace anymore. You take the sail down, you just drift along. Uh, and uh, they were tempted to just drift, to, to soft pedal, to go quiet in their faith, to distance themselves from what they initially believed and were so far behind. I have a coaster on my desk, um, and it, it was uh, given to me a few years ago by one of my daughters. I won't say which one, other than that they're not here this morning. And uh, what a lovely coaster it is. So a few years old. Heartwarming, isn't it? Perhaps you've had one of these as a dad or something equivalent as a mum. Look at this. If you don't believe in heroes, you haven't met my dad. If you don't believe in heroes, you haven't met my dad. What a great thing to receive. Okay, so far, so good. Then the next day, we were on a shopping trip uh, to Tunbridge Wells and we were walking towards the shops and suddenly, my daughter is ten metres in front of me. Her friends are nearby. She doesn't want to be seen with her dad out in public with eyes looking. So there's just suddenly ten metres gap. We laugh at it now, as a family. Bold proclamations. One day, distancing, not associating the next day. And maybe that's a bit like you, actually, in your faith. There was some bold identifying with Jesus. Maybe you were baptised. Maybe you told others. It seemed so good and you were very out with it. But now you're wanting the distance. Now you're ten metres. Now you're sort of, don't let me be seen, associated with Jesus. Well, the situation was like that with these Hebrews. And the writer writes to them to to stir up their faith, that their faith might be an enduring faith. And he does it, he does it partly by teaching, especially on Christ, that what they have in Christ is so much better than everything else. 
And if you want to know more about the teaching on Hebrews, you can read the letter, great letter, deep stuff, rich stuff, or or you could ask your wife or your mum or your grandma what they heard about yesterday because a lot of these things came up in the talks yesterday. So he does it by teaching the truth. But in Hebrews 11, he does it by examples. He stirs their faith by illustrations. After hearing about teaching, we often like to see it worked through in case studies, examples. And Hebrews does that, where you have a survey of a large number of people throughout history and shows how God gave them faith to endure despite great difficulties. They had faith in difficult circumstances and you can see lots of names again if you cast your eye down and you see the way that so many of the verses start introducing them by this phrase, by faith. By faith. 18 times I think, by faith in this chapter. So these characters, these little snapshots are faith boosters. They're faith boosters, hence the title. They're to make you go upwards in your faith. It may not be quite so dramatic as a rocket booster like we've got in our picture, but it's something that would lift up your faith. Or it may be a bit like the the booster jabs that are happening at the moment. It it protects you. It it makes you safer. It gives you an enduring, lasting safeness because of what you learn from these characters. Or they're like those in the crowd uh, cheering you on in your race. As uh, you may know, that comes out in the next chapter. Maybe you've never had real faith in Jesus. Well, I hope this little series will help. Maybe you have weak faith. Many have weak faith. Well, I hope this little series will help. Maybe you have um, sagging faith. Well, I hope this helps revitalise you. Maybe you have threatened faith. Well, I hope this series will help keep you. So we're going to look briefly this morning at the first uh, three faith boosters. But he starts by explaining a bit more about faith in verses 1 and 2. Not a full definition, uh, but a description of faith that fits his purpose. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Two particular good words there are linked with faith. Assurance and conviction. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Faith is sure about what's true and faith has a conviction of the certainty of what is true. Now, it's not because of a pig-headed arrogance, I know everything, nor is it because of a sort of blind guesswork. Some people seem to think faith is just sort of blind guesswork. No, we're sure of unseen things, future things often, because we trust in what God has revealed. This is key. Because we trust in what God has revealed. Hebrews 
starts off at the very outset about the fact that we have a God who reveals himself, who reveals truth. He's been doing that, he's done that supremely and finally in his son. So the very first verse of the letter says, long ago and many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by his son. So we are sure, because of God's word, we are certain because of God's word. In fact, these words can include an extra element that uh, uh, God has put these things in our heart as a sort of taster of the real unseen things ahead. Uh, The sort of substance of the future given to us as a taster in our hearts now. And faith in God's revelation is illustrated here by creation. So none of us were there at creation. We didn't, we didn't have a camera and we didn't have a notebook. We may believe that God created the world, uh, because we see, the, because it's here and because we're here, that'd be a reason. Because of the design there is in it, that would be a reason. The design in, in, in above, the design on earth, the design in us. We, we may believe that God created things because we have consciences, because of human moral judgments and emotions. But ultimately it is because God says so in his word in Genesis. He shows that he brought creation into being by the power of his word. Matter was made. Things were formed by the almighty power of God. And we understand this, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So some don't believe that things were made out of nothing by God. They believe in unintelligent, random uh, chance, or they believe in eternal matter. Things which, to me, seem to defy common sense. Uh, we have to have a designer if we're designed. But ultimately, we believe and understand because God has said so. And because he was there and because he's recording it in his word, and God is reliable, and so we believe in creation, matter, out of nothing, by the power and wisdom of God. So, faith is in what God has revealed. So we come to our three uh, faith boosters. They're from the first ten chapters of the Bible, and each one of them gives a a bit more understanding of, of the faith which is being boosted in us. So let's just look at these briefly. We have first, Abel. Abel, humble faith is accepted by God. Humble faith is accepted by God. So we go from creation to the first children. So we go to Cain and Abel. And even back then, we see faith being exercised. So in verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, 
And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So this incident happens in just chapter 4 of the Bible, right near the start. These brothers, they both make offerings to worship God. They feel their need to be right with God. Abel um, sacrifices one of his best sheep. Cain, an arable farmer, uh, presents some fruit or vegetable, or probably grain. And the, the younger one is accepted, and the eldest one, Cain, is not. You think, well, well, why is that? Why is one accepted and one not accepted? Well, there's lots we're not told. It's a short account. But what is clear from what we're told is that what Abel did was an act of faith. He trusted God and his word. I presume God had revealed what was required about bringing a sacrifice of an animal and Abel believed that. Abel means breath and some think that actually this is part of the understanding that he feels a sense of his own nothingness and his need of God and he puts his trust in God and follows God's pattern and plan and, and he's accepted as righteous. We're told in, in 10.38, but the, my righteous one shall live by my faith. And Abel is seen as righteous. He's accepted by God. Cain did not do what is right, it says in Genesis. And maybe there was self-trust. Cain means get or possess. And as if he's done his own thing and he's gone his own way and he's done what is convenient, he's done what he thinks will impress God from him. And it's not accepted. And this takes us back to the start point of being a Christian, really. We trust in God's way. We don't see ourselves as deserving acceptance. We realise our need of God. We realise more fully now that we need a sacrifice made. We need God's Son who has amazingly come into the world to be the person who redeems us. Our trust is placed in him and through God's way, our trust in God's way, what God has revealed, we are received. And humble faith is accepted by God. We try to get there our own way, by our own actions, our own thoughts, our own achievements, our own pride. We're not accepted. But if we go God's way and trust in the sacrifice he has made, we are. So, it can be boosted this morning that humble faith that trusts God is one that God accepts. Perhaps you struggle to feel accepted. It's a common problem. Maybe you feel find it difficult to be accepted by others. That's a common problem. Maybe you sometimes wonder whether you're accepted by God. That's a big thing to think about. But the news from Abel and what we hear this morning in the Bible is that if your trust is in God and his way of sacrifice, if your trust is in him and not yourself, you are accepted. You're accepted by God. Humble Faith is accepted by God. Now, if you started in that way of trust, keep going in that way of trust. Well, then as it carries on, he takes us to uh, what I, I think is a wonderful character, actually, but it's quite an unusual character as we move on to somebody called Enoch. 
I don't know whether you've heard of Enoch. Enoch, ongoing faith is a pleasure to God. We're actually in the next chapter of the Bible now, Genesis chapter 5, so we're still not gone very far. And in that chapter, there's a long list of people who died. Death really has set in to humanity, as God said it would, as a result of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. But there becomes a wonderful exception to this pattern. A little way down, quite a way down actually, Genesis chapter 5. We read about this fellow in verse 21 of Genesis 5. Let me read to you about Enoch. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. That's all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Enoch was the dad of the oldest person who'd ever lived. But something special happened at the end of Enoch's life. So if you've ever heard this little riddle, the oldest man who ever lived died before his father did. That's to do with Enoch and Methuselah. You can have a think about that. Enoch is then picked up in Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Enoch pleased God, in fact so much so that God spared him the normal process of of dying and just took him. Sounds good, doesn't it? Quite like a bypass of that was in front of you. It's a very rare thing. Think Think of a couple of occasions in the Bible, but one of them was this man, Enoch. How did he please God? Well, he lived a life of faith. Twice in the Genesis account you have this phrase of Enoch. This is what I love. He walked with God. Enoch walked with God. You like to walk through with God through life. Have God as your close companion. In each twist and turn, be concerned for what God wants, be trusting him, listening to his word, looking for his direction. Enoch walked with God. I sometimes see a lady in an old people's home and she says to me, Jesus is with me every day. And she's in her 90s now. She's been, she says she's been a Christian for many decades. So she was still in this sort of picture of walking with God through life. Enoch walked with God, and he did it for a long time. They lived a long time at that stage of the earth's history, and he walked with God for 300 years. Can't get our mind around these timescales and dates, can we? 
And it wasn't an eve of just some sort of hermit existence, you know, let's put away, put him away, let's tuck it, Enoch away in some uh, monastery on a remote Scottish island and then he can sort of walk with God there on his own. No, he had sons and daughters, even in the middle of family life. And yet he walked with God all that time, ongoing walking with God. He lived altogether 365 years. So I think, although that was comparatively short in that particular era, there's a sense of wholeness, isn't there? This number of days in the year. He walked with God through his life. And it's good for the Hebrews to hear about Enoch because they're thinking of giving up. They're thinking of stepping back. They're thinking of taking their foot off the gas. They want to now follow from 10 metres behind and He says, Enoch, by faith, Enoch, please God, walk with God, lived his whole life for God. So be boosted in your ongoing daily living for God through thick and thin. Be like Enoch. Enoch gave God pleasure. Walking with God, sticking with God, trusting God through the ups and downs gives God pleasure, it's saying here. Be encouraged in that pattern of life. Enoch, ongoing faith is a pleasure to God. Now there's a lot about our next person in Genesis, several chapters, but it's shrunk down to one verse here in Hebrews. And our next person, as mentioned earlier, is Noah. Noah. We have one verse on Noah. Active faith is obedient to God. Let me read the verse, verse 7. There's quite a lot in it. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. He took God at his word. He acted on what he heard. He was willing to stand out. He and others were saved as a result. You'll see that, I'll read it through again. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household, By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I guess Noah looked rather odd. I guess he was the butt of many jokes. Uh, The man building a boat on dry land, believing that rain was on its way, a flood was on its way, a gigantic global flood was on its way, do you think he had a good mind to, to to chuck away his tools at some point with all the jibes he was getting? Abandon the project? Leaving Noah's sort of half-built boat somewhere? Just too much to keep going, do you think so? What what kept him going? What kept him going? More wood, more work. Never mind the jokes. Because he was sure of God's word. He had a conviction of the unseen future that he'd heard from God. He knew there would be a flood 
And he knew the way of safety that God had provided, so he kept going despite looking so odd and standing out. Are you tempted to down the tools of your faith? To fit in with everyone else? To sort of preserve your reputation? Uh, To no longer obey the cost of discipleship? You find that your views on sexual morality and gender are just so out of keeping with those around that you just can't stick that difference anymore. Not living for money and it looks so odd to others around you. You believe there's only one way to God and others just sort of raise their eyebrows at how narrow-minded you seem to appear. You need to have conviction about God's word. Have faith in what he says. Keep going. Like Noah, you'll be saved. You'll be in a safe place if you, by faith, actively obey God's word. God was worthy of these men's trust. Abel's faith was accepted and in a sense he still speaks having God's vindication. Enoch bypassed death with God's blessing in a remarkable way. Noah was saved in the ark when sadly so many, many others weren't. God is worthy of our trust, our confidence. So we have three faith boosters Abel, humble faith is accepted by God. Enoch, ongoing faith is a pleasure to God. Noah, active faith is obedient to God. Your faith has been knocked by the pandemic. You find faith has sometimes come and gone. You're tempted to distance yourself the 10 metres from identifying yourself with Christ. Well, let these examples of faith encourage a a humble, ongoing, active faith in the God who is worthy of our trust. Well, shall we sing to finish a song that is a, a song of commitment and trust in living for Jesus? It is the hymn, the song... Oh Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. Be now and ever near me, my master and my friend. Let's stand to sing.
Lord, we thank you for the different parts of your word and their encouragement. We thank you for this chapter and the way it boosts faith. Maybe for some of us, many of us, maybe all of us, things have threatened and made our life of faith difficult. Maybe as the time has gone on, it's got harder. Lord, we pray to be uh, revived in our faith by the truth of Christ, so much better than anything else. And we pray that as we look at these great examples of faith through history, people you sustained and helped to live for you through their tough times, we pray it will encourage us in going forwards in assurance and in conviction. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.